We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. This is a recording of a live podcast we did at the Stan Comedy Club on Tuesday night in Newcastle. And I was joined on stage by Luke Edwards, Craig Hope, Keith Downey and Mark Douglas as we chatted through uh, all things Newcastle United, but specifically the upcoming derby in the FA Cup against Sunderland, how Eddie Howe has behaved uh, with the recent challenges he's had to face in terms of having practically no footballers to work with, certainly from a squad perspective, and of course Newcastle United's journey so far in the Champions League. Uh, if you like what we do at True Faith, please join us on Patreon. There are loads more podcasts just like this, and we talk about Newcastle United every single day on there, so you can get a daily fix of the True Faith podcast. Uh, prices start at £3 a month, go through to £8 a month. Part two of this show is on our Patreon platform. Now it's a Q&A. Uh, from our patrons and from the audience on the night. I just want to say thank you to the journalists who came and gave up their time to speak to the people in the room and you good people listening to the podcast tonight. Thanks, as always, for listening to the True Faith podcast. We'll be back with lots more podcasts, particularly after Everton and Spurs this weekend and, of course, AC Milan next week. Speak to you all very soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Okay, introduce our panel. From True Faith, we've got Alex Hurst. From the Daily Mail, we've got Craig Hope. From Sky Sports, we have Keith Downey. From the Telegraph and the BBC, it's Luke Edwards. (laughs) A divisive figure. We do have Mark Douglas somewhere in Newcastle in his car looking for a parking space. So when he's here, I'm just going to usher him on stage like this. Never happened. So if you could all just pretend he's been here the entire time, that would be brilliant. Thank you so much. Quick note for Chris Woff, don't drink too much. You could be on in the second half. Yes, we may may draft you. (laughs) If there's no parking spaces, we may draft Chris in. So um, be warned. Uh, All right, I will leave you in the very capable hands of Alex Hurst. Thank you so much. Once more for everybody on stage. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, everybody, for coming tonight. It's the True Faith Podcast live, and I think there's only one place to start, and that is the massive news. The derby is back. Sunderland v Newcastle United. This means an awful lot to both sets of fans, but the most important thing is that finally, after years of waiting, Sunderland are able to host Keith Downey at their ground. (laughs) 
Honestly, uh, I had to I had to remind a Sunderland fan today on Twitter that Newcastle was in the northeast when uh, I tweeted about Newcastle training, and his first thing, first reply was northeast reporter, and uh, I replied straight away saying, "Yeah, I think Newcastle's in the northeast, is it?" Not? <laughs> um, do you know what? Um, ten years I've covered the club. Ten years last month, um, and sorry guys, but I've never seen a never seen a Newcastle win, so maybe maybe I'm the jinx <laughs> after all. But yeah, um, unbelievable. Um, we were on a little bit of a hangover on uh, Sunday after the, the match and to see that news break, we were just chatting about it. And it's, do you know what? It's, it's quite surreal, isn't it? And it's, um, I mean, if you look at Newcastle's um, cup draws this season, you take into account the Champions League, you couldn't have asked for tougher than that. Um, then you look at Man City away in the Carabao Cup, at home, sorry, Man, Man United away in the next round, and then you think, right, you've got a chance of going far here, then Chelsea away, and then on top of that to get Sunderland. Now, I know you're going to say this is an easy draw, but it's actually tough because you know Sunderland are going to be right up for that game. They're going to have a new manager in place by then as well. And it's, uh, as a journalist, I mean, as a journalist, I don't know about you, but I'm really, really looking forward to covering it. That's brilliant. I, I was in the car with my three little boys going driving down to Durham on Sunday, and it was quite old-fashioned. We had the, the FA Cup draw on the radio, and when Newcastle Sunderland came out, we all cheered. It was just an involuntary cheer, and I, I, I don't know why. It was just so... Incredible, it evoked memories of us in a bar in Dusseldorf, ringing home to Marjorie for the FA Cup third round draw. It was uh, it was qu quite something. But to then see that the the change the manager last night, and of course, you know, the obvious joke to make is who they're going to bring in: Dick Advocar, Gus Poyer, Paolo Di Canio. It seems as if was that was that actually the the motivation? But uh, no, it's just it's just brilliant, and you know what a what a game for you guys because as much as. I suppose you, you like having them down there. You know those derby days are something special, and as a reporter, it is something to, to celebrate and to, to look forward to. Um, I, I'm a, I'm as you, as, you, as you all know, uh, I'm, I'm not from the region, as I always say. So I, I, I have a liking for Sunderland as well. Um, I was hoping there'd be booze. No, it's let me down. Um, no, I think it's great. I mean, I think from from the outside looking into this region, what the, the derby showcases what makes football in the North East so special. Um, and I think that's great for, for the rest of the country to see that. I think the rest of the country will be excited about that draw. Um, my initial feeling, sorry to be... Oh, for yeah. fuck's sake! You wouldn't have said anything interesting anyway, no, would you? No, no. Um, You've missed I've nothing. completely lost my fucking train of thought now. My initial thought, sorry to be doom and gloom, is... Uh, it's actually a bit of a nightmare draw for, for Newcastle because I, I'm, I'm a Leighton Orient fan. I know exactly what the FA Cup means to, to lower league teams, uh, plucky underdogs, teams who've fallen on hard times. Um, and they will go into it with, I know it's a cliche, but with nothing to lose. Newcastle are going to hopefully have far bigger fish to fry uh, at that time of year uh, if they progress in the Carabao Cup, for example. It'll come off the manic, hectic December period. But having said all of that negativity, it's just a great occasion and some of my finest moments in journalism, as Mark might pick up this story. Uh, do you remember the demolition derby, the 5-0 Newcastle when I hadn't been to bed the previous night? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's, um, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be really, really special and um, I just hope that, and I'm sure Eddie Howe will know how important it is. I don't want it to be downplayed and the great thing is Newcastle have so many Geordies in their team that I don't think it will be. And I hope every single one of them, Dan Byrne, Paul Dummett, Sean Longstaff, Lewis Miley, get the chance to play in it. Because 
we don't know how often these games are going to be now. The two clubs are on completely different trajectories. I've been writing about, you know, the rather shoddy treatment of Tony Mowbray. Um, they have a, uh, a sporting director who thinks he's very, very clever and thinks he's uh, going to reinvent the wheel in football. So I don't know how often we'll get these games anymore. So I think it is actually a match to be cherished. You, me you mentioned, Luke, there, Paul Dummett and Jamal Lascelles. They both played in the last derby seven years ago. Amazing to think that they're both at the club and flourishing uh, this, this season. Um, also, we've come here tonight, Alex. The first thing you do, you headline the show by talking about Sunderland against Newcastle. Newcastle have got an opportunity to get into the knockout stages of the Champions League, the semi-final of the Carabao Cup before then, but it shows just how big a match it is to Newcastle as well and to the Newcastle United fans that, that is, that's, that's what we're talking about. I didn't have a pre-prepared joke about you for any other topic, so that's <laughs> why I was first. But um, no, you, you are right, and you know, as fans, the thing we're looking for, or lots of people are looking for, is kickoff time and allocation, because there's all sorts of rumours going around, as there is about every aspect of ticket in Newcastle United these days. But <laughs> yeah, what a what what a game! I can't wait to fucking smash them. I just can't wait. The, I've, <laughs> I've I've stood in that horrible away end in that terrible city too many times over the past few years and seen where lose to worse sides than us. That's the thing when when we lost all those games, Sunderland were shit. It wasn't like we were playing a a good version of Sunderland, if such a thing exists. Um, and I just think, I mean, I, I suppose final question on this one to you. I, I imagine Eddie Howe will take this incredibly seriously. You know, he lives here, he, he lives and breathes Newcastle United as much as any of us in this room now. Do you think he'll understand the gravity of this fixture? Absolutely. Listen, the guy has got nothing wrong so far, really. So he won't, he won't get this wrong either. And, you know, I have to say, as I walked in, someone said to me in all seriousness, they said it was, Michael Martin, actually, Steve Bruce is in talks with Sunderland, and he did. He didn't off. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but my, fir my first thought was, I could miss this game. I'm still banned by Steve Bruce. It was never a Newcastle United ban. It was only a Bruce, a ban, specific to Steve Bruce. And he hasn't texted me to say, "Listen, Craig, we're okay now." Uh, You're so, not. but yeah, he's not. Is he, Luke? No, he's not. I think he's all right, but you know. Yeah, he's not okay with us, and he's not in talks with Sunderland. No. Uh, no, Eddie, Eddie won't get it wrong. Uh, and, you know, he's shown... You're going to come up with a really busy December in January. God knows what state they're going to be in. But he's going with 11 players right now. 11 players, and they're still getting it right week on week. And doesn't that just speak to his powers of motivation and organisation that a manager in this era can work with 11 players? What, is what he's got. And they're still producing performances like Saturday, like Paris Saint-Germain, and like the game seven days previous against Chelsea. He's just, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. I think all those guys will agree, as journalists, he's the best I've worked with. A hundred percent. And I think he wants this game because I think he's, in, he's thrown himself so much into the region, the city, and the northeast footballing culture. A bit like I said in my opening answer, I think he sees this as the kind of epitome of what Northeast football is all about, this fixture. So whilst I kind of went, oh, shit, that's not actually great, I think he will absolutely love it because he'll want to experience it. I, I, don't, I, I remember a press conference way back at the start. I don't know if you guys can. Way back when, when Eddie started, and, and I think someone mentioned the derby to him in some extent. I don't know if there was maybe an academy game. I can't, and I think he almost alluded to it at the time by saying he, he, wasn't, he wasn't aware initially just how big a thing it was mm -hmm. to the people of the North East. I do remember that. But look, he's been there two years now. Without doubt, the likes of Paul Dummett, Dan Byrne, Jamal Lascelles, all those guys who've been there, the Geordies, Sean Longstaff, will have reminded him uh, about that. And Craig, you talk about the, the, the squad and who he's got to pick from. You've got to remember, come... 
the start of January, I, I think a number of these guys will be back by then. You know, I think not they not all of them could lost three or four more. The way it's going, they're yeah. losing one every game. Yeah, but I just I just think they should be in a stronger position to. I want to say make changes. Like I mean, you might have the likes of Callum Wilson, Harvey Barnes, Sean Longstaff, Joe Willock back, but then you're not making the team any any weaker. You know, you can you can mix and match a little bit, and I do think Newcastle will be in a stronger position there with players coming back that allow them to make changes and make them strong enough to as you guys will hope, hopefully win the game. It's really interesting you say about not how not fully understanding the derby, because I don't think I did until I moved up here. And I don't think the rest of the country does fully understand it. They think it's just like the Birmingham derby, or they think it's just like the North London derby, or the South Coast derby. Mark, for you, you're not from the region as well. Did it take you by surprise, the intensity of it all? Yeah, I think it, I think it did. I think the, the venom in it, um, really did to be honest with you it's the only um, the stadium of light of course where the press seats used to be uh, we used to be right in the crowd it's not anymore you're right at the top now um, but it's the only place I've ever been where um, a ju- fellow journalist has been offered out the only place <laughs> I've ever been um, it's yeah I've almost it's, been fights between journalists yeah I, I mean it's yeah. it's it's pr- there's an edge to it I think it, it tends to be worse I think at the stadium of light than it did, or used to be I don't think it will be this time because we're we're, we're so far we're so far kind of up there uh, but yeah there's, there's a massive amount of venom to it um, and I think it does pr- the, the one worry I would have if I was a Newcastle fan is it does produce some sort of strange results I mean we've seen a 5-1 when you know, Newcastle weren't as good, I think, at that point as Sunderland, probably man for man. And then Sunderland went this ridiculous run of winning games against a, a better, superior Newcastle team as well. Um, so, but I, I think they'll have too much. I think they'll, I think they'll have too much in that game, uh, to but, be honest with you. But yeah, there's a, real, there's a real edge to it. And I think the fact that it's at Sunderland, the fact that there's been so much sort of pent-up kind of... You know, this, this, I, mean, I went for the under-23 game, um, which was a few years ago, and... Even that had a bit of edge. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Premier League matters uh, quickly. Actually, uh, you know, Newcastle fans, you've all, you'll have all been talking about this, but kind of give us a cheer if you're looking forward to the game. Uh, there we go. It took a while, but it got there. Um, that's good. That's good. I think we've got to have a lot of confidence. I mean, we're not, we're not, we're not Huddersfield, and someone couldn't beat Huddersfield. We're a good team. We're a good side. We've got a good squad, and I think. Like you lad said, how we'll be able to relate to his squad and the Geordie lads in the squad will be able to relate to this squad that we haven't beaten this hopeless football club in what eight eight games since the one 0 Ryan Taylor game, which seems a long time ago. Um, and I think we'll absolutely smash them. Can't wait myself. Um, should be a massive, massive game for the club. Let's talk about Eddie House some more, though, lads. I want to ask you specifically about what he's been like in this very, very difficult time. You look at Eric Ten Hag today, banning people. I mean, he says some mad shit that man, but banning journalist is up there Craig isn't it with one of the worst things you can do <laughs> as a football manager um, how I, I got to sit you during the ban I was okay I had a, <laughs> had a beer I was happy um, I get banned these days by the club for giving you tickets uh, doesn't <laughs> you're not allowed to do anymore um, welcome Peter Silverstone <laughs> <laughs> hopefully at the end of the season Luke with security um, yeah so how is, is kind of faced things that other managers in the Premier League haven't had to face this season, the injuries, the Sandro Tonali stuff, having 11 fit players to choose from, and he just seems to have kept his composure, he hasn't started lashing out, he hasn't started blaming. You've all said on this stage before that you think he's special. Has this just proved how special the guy is? Craig, start with you. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've made my feelings known, you know, the 
I, I saw a clip about five, six weeks ago, and I thought, I thought it was from two years ago. It was Simon Jordan saying that Eddie Howe was going to be Newcastle United's equivalent of Mark Hughes at Manchester City, the guy who took them so far. And I had to check the date on it. I thought, okay, th- that, was a, that opinion existed once, but it belongs in Beamish now. It was, you know, it, it, but, you know, it wasn't. It, it was five or six weeks ago. And it's just such a, such a wrong take. At Newcastle, the owners, with their first appointment, have hit upon the manager who can take them from there to there. There is no need for anybody else in between. They've hit upon an absolutely elite manager. The guy is just hes so measured in, in what he says. And you're right. There's been so many issues thrown at him, and we've tried to throw some of them at him. And we haven't tried to trip him up, but you know, you're often chasing the line. He sidesteps them all. He's absolutely brilliant. You know, he's got us on a, on a piece of string at times, sadly. Uh, but he's, he's just, you know, that filters down to the players as well. I'm yet to meet anyone, be it a, a member of you know, backroom staff, player, media, who's got a bad word to say about him. Everybody who was exposed to him is impressed. Every player, every member of staff who was exposed to him improves. You know, you, you, you look at I write Graham Souness' column for the, for the Daily Mail. I heard him on TalkSport yesterday saying, you know, it comes back to players, it comes back to players. It's always been about players. I agree with Graham on a lot of things, because I have to, but on that, I really don't, because <laughs> the counter-argument is Fabian Shaw, Sean Longstaff, uh, Joe Linton, Miguel Almiron, you know, those are better players because of a manager. Managers do matter. Eddie Howe is proof that managers matter. What he's done is just incredible, and, you know, the talk about will he go to England? England will want him. Absolutely they will. But why would he leave Newcastle for England? This at the moment is the most exciting club job in world football. In Newcastle, for me, you've got the most exciting manager in world football. So the perfect marriage for now. You, you mentioned Alex, Sandro Tonali saga, and we, we spoke about that for the best part of three weeks. And I have to say, the way he handled that situation in isolation was was incredible because he's clearly been let down, okay? The club have clearly been let down. And I think just the way he came out and he did not have one bad word to say about the player, didn't even really criticise AC Milan. He basically just came out and completely backed the player and saw him as a person, a person who, who has an issue. And I, given the situation they were in, given the fact the injuries were, were mounting up, given the fact they're going to be without a £55 million player for 10 months, I thought it was a, an incredible show of humility the way that the way he could do that. And I was up at the training ground today watching training and Sandro was there and it was it was almost, it feels so long since we were last talking about it. I stood and watched them train for about t- 10 minutes and you think, God, that just so much has happened since then. You've, a, you've actually forgotten what went on there. And I just think the way, that, the way that he dealt with that, and even then we've asked him a number of questions since, and he's just been a, a, a consummate pro. And just, you know what, just a, almost like a, fa- a father figure to the players. Another player I saw at the training ground today going, th- going through his um, regime, training regime was, was Matt Ritchie. This is a player who was, was kicking up stink both sort of on the record and off the record because he wasn't playing under Steve Bruce. And I thought, there's no way it is going to work having someone like Matt Ritchie around the place if he's not playing because he wants... And he's, he's just bought into everything that Eddie Howe's doing, happy to come on for his one or two minutes here or there. It's incredible that he's managed to turn his mindset in, in that way. Just in terms of dealing with us and press conferences, I, I feel the last few press conferences I've been to, when I start it off, I'm asking him questions, probably with a negative twang about the injury situations. I think I used a phrase on... on Negative uh, bastards. Well, not... Yeah. (laughs) 
But I think I said, I think I said, I think I said to him, um, "How's the walking wounded or something like that?" Or the and, and he, he yeah, but he, he he doesn't he, he doesn't want to engage with that at all. He doesn't want you to use that or anyone to think that they've they've got an excuse. He's 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 more than happy to just talk up the strengths of who, who's available and he doesn't want people to feel sorry for them and I think that is uh, great because most managers would ha would happily use the injury crisis at the moment as an excuse if results weren't going their way even after the 2-0 against Bournemouth he didn't do that and I think that is it just shows exactly the sort, the sort of person he is, the manager he is and exactly why as Craig says he's going to go so far. People keep asking me you mentioned England, people keep asking me people within the industry, he's going to be the next Man United manager. Ten Hag's going to go, he's going to go to Manchester United. Why? I, I just don't, I can't see why he would want to do that. I just do not see that happening and any time anyone said that to me, I fought his corner and said at this, at this present time that is not a better job for him and he's in a much better job going in the right direction than he would be if he went to Manchester United or, or, or England for that matter. Yeah, I think I think what's what's worth thinking about with 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 uh, with Eddie Howe this year as well, which. Um, so I mean, yeah, we'll come back to that in, in a second. We'll come back to that. Yeah, because that is a very good question. Uh, but I think I think it, it's easy to rewrite the narrative now and think that this is um, you know it was always preordained that Newcastle were going to get to the kind of start of December. They were going to still be in the League Cup and all this. There has been three or four occasions this season when the season could have turned. I think of after Brighton, where, you know, it did look... I mean, we all sort of said it looks it looks as if, you know, this was going to be the first big test of Eddie Howe. It was going to be the first big test of Newcastle. We wondered about the transfer, the recruitment policy. Um, after Bournemouth, the same. After Borussia Dortmund, we wondered about, you know, have they been found out a little bit? Are they maybe just not quite good enough yet for that Champions League, um, for that next step in the Champions League? Every time they've come back, and they've not just sort of kind of answered those critics. They've kind of blasted the critics away because they've gone and won games, big games, important games. And I think what happened last week against Paris Saint-Germain with the players that they had, the game plan that they had, and the way that they played, the way that they were motivated, the, you know, you're kind of like, I'm not, I'm not somebody who's kind of deeply uh, kind of knowledgeable about taxes. We have some people, I'm sure, in the room here who've been studying it really well. But you can see the game plan that Eddie Howe has in Europe now has developed... Um, through the games that they've played, and I thought they were, you know, the far superior team. I know they were hanging on towards the end, but if they'd have had 16, 18 players, I think you would have seen changes that would have changed the game. I think they would have won that game probably quite comfortably. Um, so I think that, for me, is the most impressive thing about Eddie Howe this season, because last season there were a lot of factors going their way. Um, teams, uh, other teams that they had to kind of compete with in the top four weren't there, so you could maybe make the kind of excuse that everything went Newcastle's way last season. This season nothing's gone their way. They've had the hardest draws possible. They've had the worst injury records. Um, you know, they probably, recruitment-wise, haven't necessarily strengthened him exactly where he wanted. But every single uh, challenge that has come in front of him, he, he's answered, and then some. And I think that, for me, is the skill of a manager because you talk about Eric Ten Hag. Well, every time he's been questioned this season at Manchester United, they've come up with an absolute stinker of a performance. You know, they've got, the easier, they've got an easier Champions League draw than Newcastle and have managed to fuck it up. Um, they've got, you know, their form in the league is pitiful. Um, players don't want to be there. Players arguing. Eddie Howe has done the exact opposite. And I think, you know, for me, that's why I'm so impressed with him this season because he hasn't just got the message right. The substance of it has been, you know, flawless as well. That, I mean, the fact that where they are in the league and the, the progress they've had in those cup competitions is, you know, astounding. It's a better job so far this season than I think he'd done last season, even though they were higher up in the league last season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um. <laughs> I find myself agreeing with you, Mark, which is spread. Um, I think uh, there's what sums up Eddie Howe for me is he would hate listening to all this praise. He would be really uncomfortable. He'd be looking at the floor. He'd want to be anywhere else than this room being told how great he is. And that is a measure of the man. He is one of the most modest geniuses I've ever met in my entire life. Football is full of bluffers. It's full of self-publicists. It's full of people like me. Um, <laughs> Shit. Stop there. Um, They're on to us. Um, but it's... It, he, he is the antidote to all of them. <laughs> I thought I had a loud noise. Everyone can hear me, can't you? We've got a loud noise. Oh, right. All about the podcast patrons, please. Uh, that's seven ninety nine a month. Um, um, yeah, so... God, I was on a flow. Now you've... Right, okay. I'd hate to be in this room. And he, he is the most modest genius I've ever met. And, and football is full of these people who talk about how great they are. Everybody's trying to reinvent the wheel in football. Everything is new. Everything is a fad. Everything's, everything's um, uh, an innovation. But Eddie Howe isn't like that. He, as I say, he's just a very, very quiet man. He is perhaps one of the most boring men I've ever met. <laughs> and I mean that... Really lovingly, the favourite story I've heard this season was a, a member of his coaching staff told me that uh, his wife had been complaining uh, that they didn't spend any time together or do anything uh, in Newcastle. So Eddie Howe took her to a garden centre <laughs> for lunch. <laughs> I'm surprised he's still married. The amount of time, the amount of time he puts into his work, like, the, the, the guy is a genius, and I, I think. On a serious note, Newcastle supporters, and I know you're all great, and I know you all love your team, and you need to cherish that manager because there is going to come a time when he has a sticky spell. There is going to come a time when there's a lot of outside noise outside of this stage, outside of this region, where people are saying he's under pressure and that Newcastle need to make a change. And there is going to come a time when you 
guys and, and ladies um, need to show that you wanted to stay as your manager because the work he has done over the last two years, there were some very overexcited comments made about Postic, what's his name? The guy at Tottenham? Postic. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, but he's doing well, yeah. Uh, he did well and there was a lot of overexcited talk about him having the greatest impact of any manager over a short period of time. Okay, he did that over 10 games. But Eddie Howe's work over two years has been absolutely remarkable. And I think he's getting to the stage now where he deserves to be talked about as among the club's finest modern-day managers. And I put him with Keegan and I put him with Robson in that. He's still, remember, he's still a young manager as well. He's only 46. He feels like he's been around forever. He was 46. He turned 46, poor soul, talking to us guys in Paris last week about a VAR controversy. He didn't realise it was his birthday. It had passed midnight. It was quite, quite incredible, really. But just to go back to a, a point Keith made on Friday, that press conference was so impressive when he, when he came in. It was clear his message was, no excuses. We've got 11 players. We're going to go again, and we're going to go and beat them. And it was quite something, really. To, and that was my sort of takeaway message. It was the same with us guys just off stage. I said, we've only got three. Come on, no excuses. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> But you, we, we, we were almost giving him almost giving him an out. Like you're almost given an opportunity yeah, yeah. to make an excuse and he just will not take it. Mm. But he just, he, just will not, he yeah, refuses yeah. point I, blank to take it. Uh, I mean, this guy's, this guy's elite already. And I mean, it, this is only... I mean, how many Champions League games has he managed so far? Five. And I think what's been so impressive is the way that he kind of... Uh, the development along those five games, the development as Newcastle manager, you know, he had... He was managing Bournemouth. I think he did a really good job there, but he was away from the spotlight. He didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't possibly, you know, he hadn't maybe got the experience that you would say, oh, does he need, you know, does, does he have the tools in his locker yet to be the Newcastle manager? Does he have the tools in his locker to be a Champions League manager? Well, a lot of people in the know would tell you that, you know, I mean, we probably all spoke to people who've worked with him before he got the Newcastle job and they said, look, trust him, he is the real deal. He is serious. He's going to be really, really good. But until you're actually in the situation and he deals with the things, then 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 that's the measure of the man. And I think that's what's been so impressive with him. Because we we've seen, you know, we've seen some managers at Newcastle who've, you know, done a good job. But I don't think I've, you know, it's been fifteen years, I think I've been here now. I've never seen anybody like this guy. Never seen anybody. And we've seen we've seen world class managers, yeah, guys, yeah, people who've yeah. managed at the very, very highest level, played at the very highest level. I've never seen anybody but like I this. But I also think in this city you need to shut yourself away from it. And and I mean that in the best sense of the word, but everybody's obsessed with football here. I mean, I always tell the story about my neighbour who's never, ever been to St. James's Park to watch a game of football. But if I see her, all she wants to talk about is Newcastle United. I mean, it is, it is incredible, and you will never understand that unless you've lived here. But for how his boringness, his dislike of the public you know, scrutiny, or not in the public, it's celebrity life. He hates all of that. That is actually almost one of his biggest strengths here because he is so boring, but never underestimate how much work that man puts in for this football club. I mean, and he's, I think he's still there right now. He'll still be at the yeah, training ground he, right he, now, working away. He's side. everything you want. He is literally <coughs> everything you want, you will expect your manager to be. He is totally and utterly obsessed to an almost unhealthy level, I have to say, with management, analysis, Newcastle United, and I know for a fact this club has really, really got under his skin. And as I say, I want to just reinforce that point. There may come a time when he is under pressure, and I hope Newcastle United supporters show their love for him and show their affection for him. Because uh, uh, any manager I've 
and countered yeah. deserves that. Is there any anybody out there better than than him at the moment for, for Newcastle United? There, there isn't. Like no. if you did, if you how would you upgrade? It's like the Sam and John thing. How, how would you upgrade? Who, who would you care? I mean that that's the problem. You you see it all the time, don't you? When they lose a couple of games, it's like oh the ownership will be getting um will be, will be getting uh, you know worried and. They just they don't understand. They've not been paying attention. Have they? I tell you what, Unai Emery is doing a very good job at Aston Villa. And remember, he was the number one pick, right? So these owners must know a thing or two because it was yeah, between yeah. it was between the two of them. And, and and the two of them, the two of them. Uh, what's amazing for me is that, and Luke's talked about there. He's been in charge now for two, just over two years, I think. He's yeah, not just over he's, two years. He's, yeah. he's not put a foot rock. He's literally what manager has? He's not been criticised in any way. And any yeah. single time, I think you touched the mark. Any time you think mm, it's maybe just turning slightly after the Bournemouth game, after the Brighton game, the way he gets the team to hit back and react is uncanny. He's done it time and time again, and I think that is a sign of a top top manager. The only thing against him is he's moved to Darius. He's better than that. Stay in Gosford. <laughs> Keep it real, Eddie. Uh. Let's talk about the Champions League now. Uh, like you said, Mark, five fixtures, all very different, and it's been an unbelievable journey as a fan. I suppose first question, start with you, Luke. Let's go the other way down the oh, panel. Shit, right? Yeah. Okay, that was bad. On your toes. On what's your the toes. question? The question is, Luke, what's it been like for you, mate? The Champions League, fun, hard work. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Paris was good. You were struggling last week. You were struggling. I had a week off and I was struggling. Um, I I love the games. Um, I don't love the half past three alarm call to get the 6am flight to Amsterdam, which is... Yeah. Under Mike Ashley, we'd all be in bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, it's been great. I mean, it, it's... Um, I mean, the Paris Saint-Germain game is right up there with probably one of the greatest results in Newcastle's modern history. That was... I hate this fucking phrase and I'm going to say it. It was a privilege to be there working. Um, that was an amazing night. I wished... those one of those nights where I wished I was a fan. So you are the lucky ones because you get to celebrate that as a supporter. Unfortunately, I don't get to do that. Um, I think they've grown into the competition. I'm going to be a little bit critical now, if I may, because that's what I do. Um, the atmosphere against Dortmund was a fucking disgrace. It was awful. And that team uh, came out for that game and the fans weren't there with them. And that is a reminder that everything that makes Newcastle special, everything that makes this team special, everything that makes Eddie Howe special comes from, particularly at home, that atmosphere at St. James's Park. And I think they lost that game because in the first half it was so flat. And that is one of the biggest disappointments I think I've had of this season. Some people might disagree Did with me, but I thought it was really, really bad. I think... Um, you I what, sorry? What? I think it had gone before then. I think people yeah. turned up thinking they were going to win. This no, is the Champions no, 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 no. I, th I think the hangovers were kicking in, right? You've got, you've got to remember they'd been on it for two days solid in Dusseldorf. No, I meant Dortmund at home. Dortmund. I don't oh, think sorry, sorry, two I days. Was, Dor right, I mean, and I don't know what you're up to. Well, or right. well, well, actually, <laughs> someone call his bosses. Well, geez. I actually think Dortmund, the way the atmosphere was poor. I know, I've, obviously, having to shout, shout down however many eight, seventy-five, eighty thousand. Uh, German fans, but the atmosphere was in. I think that it was was poor because I think the fans, the travelling fans, were on day two and the hangovers were kicking in by the by the uh, kickoff. But I agree with you for the home game as well. Ali McCoy's came up to me outside the ground and said, "Can you wait for this tonight, son?" This I said, "Wait till you wait till you sample this atmosphere," because all I was picturing was the PSG game a few weeks earlier. I said, "Ali, you and I have been to so many old firm games. You've played in so many of them, and honestly, the noise you'll hear in tonight." 
in, in the stadium tonight will equal that. Wait till you hear it. Text me afterwards saying, where was that atmosphere? Well, it was so, against PSG. That's the thing. It yeah, was against no, PSG. Yeah, but uh, the yeah. Dortmund, it was, it was terrible. Yeah. And you can't, Newcastle aren't good enough to turn up in a Champions League game at home and be told, entertain us. That just can't happen. So that's my only negative about the Champions League. Everything else, the PSG away game, one of the biggest travesties I've covered in football. Sorry, I'm, I'm going back. But one of the biggest travesties I've covered in European football. You knew it was going to happen as soon as the, you know he was sent over to his screen. You knew it was going to happen. So I have very mixed emotions about the Champions League, to be honest with you. It's been great, but I, I've also found it in, also probably the most frustrating part of the season. I, I mean... The drums! <laughs> yeah, well... The drums? The... Yeah, the Dorman, I agree with you on the drums. drums. We'll yeah, talk yeah. afterwards because I want to have a rant about drums. <laughs> Come and find me afterwards. I mean, you know, yeah, like Luke's going to be negative about it. I'm just going to be so positive about the whole experience. I think it's been a, it's been a learning curve for, um, for, for the supporters, for, for everybody really around it. I think you could see, I think the first two games, the first two away games where uh, Eddie, I mean, this is a rare, very rare bit of criticism, but I thought especially the first game, they should have trained in Milan. They should have trained at the San Siro. I think you could see for the first 10, 15 minutes, some of those players were in a little bit in awe of their surroundings. It didn't last long. They did, they did get into the game. Um, but, I mean, it's just been absolutely fantastic. Going to some of those cities, kind of walking around the city the, the day before, seeing you know, seeing supporters there and, and, and realising, you know, being on the, you know, sat on the plane with them over, uh, uh, going over and realising what, what this kind of means. This is the whole point of being a football fan. If you can't enjoy it, if you can't enjoy being in a, in a, a city like Dortmund that's just absolutely, you know, I mean, they, I thought they were brilliant hosts, by the way, you know, I mean, we talk about them, you know, people on day two of a hangover. How could you not be? They were such good hosts, you know, they, they set up a, a place in the square and, you know, people were just drinking and drinking and drinking. And, and you know, those, those are the kind of days that as a fan, those are the kind of days you cherish. So, um, you know, from that perspective, I think it's no surprise that we've kind of gone into it and everybody's jumped into it and being kind of like, this is amazing. But I think what, what you'll probably see in the next five to 10 years will be Newcastle fans will get used to being on this, some of these games. The clamber for tickets maybe not quite as, you know, people start saying, well, it's a, it's a group stage game, you know, I don't know, you know, I've got to save myself for the semi-finals or something like that. You, know, you might start to see a little bit of that, but I think it's been brilliant. I totally agree with Luke on the atmosphere uh, for Dortmund. It was like a, a kind of convergence of different things. I think the rain didn't help. And that sounds ridiculous to say, but the rain didn't help. It was just like, absolutely awful atmosphere so people didn't want to be in the ground I don't think as early because the stadium and I'm sure we'll get into the stadium later but you know that when the rain comes in and you get soaked it, it was it was strange but I think there was a little bit of complacency around that game I think we all felt Dortmund were there for the taking it was probably PSG had been blown away we thought oh, Dortmund will happen as well maybe in the away game there was a little bit of a feeling of kind of it was just very very flat and, and I, can't, I think we all went to PSG last week and just kind of thought this could go either way and if the final game's a dead rubber. But I think that performance, the atmosphere on that game, you know, talk about Dortmund, I thought that the fans were absolutely fantastic in that away end. And I think there was maybe a little bit of hardship about getting to the ground that all the talk before the game had been like PSG, the ultras and how shit that ground is to get to and you have to kind of go right around the side. And I think you could feel that away end. There was a little bit of like chests out, you know, right, okay, we're going to kind of represent ourselves. And that's that stupid light show beforehand, which, you know, please, God, I like the light show. It was awful. <laughs> what the fuck was it? What was it? The what was, was relevant? Keith, PSG it was terrible. as good as we've had. 
as journalists. At home, right, at home, home or away? At, at home and away. The home game I left feeling as up, as uplifted as I ever have been in that football match. I was lying in my bed, couldn't get to sleep after it, just recounting the goals, the atmosphere, the noise. It was unbelievable. The actual, the press box was full and I was in an overspill area in amongst the supporters, sorry, Sunderland fans. And um, it was it was unbelievable just being, being in amongst it, the noise, phenomenal, loved it. That was, for me, that was the highlight so far, obviously the tournament's still ongoing, alongside... And I'm kind of joking when I say about the hangovers, but in the afternoon in Dortmund um, at that market square, we were up in the stage and just seeing like thousands of fans just loving every moment. The smell of beer was ridiculous. And other stuff as well, which won't go into They don't give a fuck, do they? Like, all right, you're from England. Yeah, go and have loads of beers and have a square. No other country in Europe would do that. It took me me back to the cup final, and I've spoken about it before on on this show, how, what that, how that made you feel that day at Wembley and the build-up and the hairs in the back of the, the men my neck are, stand, are standing up talking about it just now. And it was unbelievable. That afternoon in that square, and I spent a couple of hours there, uh, reminded me of that. Um, the football, I actually think Newcastle have held their own. Yes, they'll be disappointed with the two performances against Dortmund. But other than that, I feel they've played really, really well. And given the fact they've not played in the tournament for 20 years, I feel they can hold their heads up high. And you're going into the last game knowing you've still got a chance to get into the knockout stage. Even if you don't get to the knockout stage and you get a positive result against Milan and you get to the Europa League, I actually think you've got a chance of going far in the it's competition. So I, I don't think that's a negative if you don't get yeah. through to it. It's this. interesting, isn't it? I'll, I'll come flying back from Milan, um, I spoke to a few people in the airport who were kind of like actually saying, do you know what, if we go into the Europa League, you know, that's kind of where I want to be because I think we could win that as opposed to Champions League. And I kind of turned around and I was like, well, I, I don't know about that because... The further you get into the Champions League, you know, obviously there's some really elite teams there who, who Newcastle would do well to kind of match, but they haven't looked out of place against any of the teams in there. And why not Why not try and get as far as you can in the Champions League? I don't, I'm not sure the Europa League, um, the, the step down in quality is, is obviously there, I'm, but I don't I'm, think it's I'm, that easy to win. And cheap, stay in the Champions League. Great, Team Europa. Come on, we're Team the, Europa League. Aren't cheap, I, cheaper beer it. in the Europa League. Yeah. <laughs> Better and, trips. And as, and as you said, no, I can see Carabag. I've seen that Azerbaijani trip. That would be the <laughs> yeah. one, wouldn't it? That would be the one. I also think, it. when you talk about the atmospheres as well, and I think you know part of why it was so flat Dortmund away was because everyone had been drinking all day and drinking cans on the street. And I walked actually to the game from time with one of my friends and I was like, he was in the away end. I said, you're not match fit. You're not match ready. You're really not. He was just subdued and uh, hungover. And, but Paris, because it's 11 euros a pint, you guys had no choice but to pace yourself. And it was, but Paris away was the best atmosphere. The later kickoff, the more expensive beer, everyone paced themselves. And I just thought in the stadium that night, everything clicked. That was a real proper Champions League night. Now, I'm going to be critical, but at the same time, it's a compliment because Newcastle got the same result in Milan as they did in Paris. Those two performances were absolutely pulls apart. The one in Milan was rookies clinging on, seat of their pants stuff, they got lucky. Paris, they looked like a Champions League team who deserved to beat one of the most expensively assembled teams in the, in the world, really. So that just shows the evolution. That shows how Eddie has learned as a manager. What has the experience been like? Well, it's been brilliant. You know, Luke says, you're tired. I don't think we're going to get any sympathy on, on, say, uh, on, on, on that front. I moan all the time. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry. But uh, just a really quick story from Paris. You know, the, the night before the game, we were going to, me and myself and two journalists were going to the uh, pre-match press conference in a taxi. And a policeman jumped in front of us, put four cones in the street. And there's an ambulance at a funny angle. He said, you can't go any further. There's a baby being delivered in the ambulance because if you drive past, uh, it'll interfere with the signalling. 
We thought, oh God, you know, that's important, but so is Eddie. Uh, we've, we, we've, we've got to get there. So the policeman comes to the window, talks in French, and the driver relays the message over the shoulder. We say, right, mate, how long is this going to be? He says, oh, don't worry, five minutes. I said, listen, pal, I've got three kids. It doesn't take five minutes. It really doesn't, trust me. So we jumped out of the taxi, ran 200 yards down the road, flagged another one, language barrier, didn't have a clue. This other taxi driver rejoins the queue, waiting for a baby to be born. For fuck's sake. Anyway, we eventually got there, and I got there in time to ask a question of Eddie Howe, uh, which was mocked by the French press when I compared Anthony Gordon to Killian Mbappe. Quite rightly, too. Uh, and mocked by Eddie Howe, but he didn't... Mocked, mocked by you. Eddie Howe. Mocked by yeah. Eddie Howe and us, and the French press. Yep. yep. 24 <laughs> hours later, it was unfair on Anthony Gordon. <laughs> two, two other things worth mentioning um, about Europe. Firstly, we've been eulogising about Eddie all night, saying that he's never made a mistake. He did in that first away match against AC Milan because he decided to train at home rather than train over there. Their flight was then delayed as a result of the storms. The press conference was meant to be six o'clock in the San Siro. And hang on, my watch is going. Something about AC Milan popping up. More. The press conference was meant to be six o'clock. Instead, it got pushed back to nine o'clock, and we all had a bit of a go saying, like, first mistake. No, we didn't have a bit of a go, we, Keith. People were ringing up the press conference saying, this is a fucking disgrace. Yeah. You. We went out, yeah, mainly me. Yeah. Out, people were so angry in that yeah. press room about that press conference. Yeah, because it was the, but the reason we were so angry is because we, were, we wanted to be in the pub. Yes. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't for any professional re- reason. So, yeah, so that was a mistake he made on our part. But listen, it didn't, they still got the result. Yes, as Craig says he clung on um, but then interestingly as I've alluded to already against PSG they decided to actually train over there um, on the pitch and again that's another example of, of, of Eddie um, understanding that perhaps he's maybe made a mistake or learning and he's because obviously the, for both of the first two away games he decided to train at home other thing I want to mention, just as a throwaway comment, don't know why, on the flight back from Paris last uh, Wednesday, I was uh, on the flight sat next to Carol Louis-Dreyfus, the Sunderland owner, which was a bit random, because I had a flight full of Newcastle fans all uh, boozed up for the night before, and uh, him sat there at the front, coming back to sack Tony Mowbray, so... <laughs> St- strange. Did he offer to fill you in? No, 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 no I, I think... I, uh, no, I think... <laughs> you wouldn't have known you, like you never go. He? I bet he didn't like you, did he? No, he said he'd heard a few things, yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked about, sorry, about the atmosphere of the Dortmund game. The it's best Dortmund thing, home game, I'm yeah, talking the Dortmund about, home not game. the Dortmund away game. Yeah. No, that, I think that was next complacency. week. Complacency yeah, Dortmund at home. Next absolutely. week, I think it's going to be... Next week is going to be absolutely spectacular. I cannot wait for that game. I know this, fuck, they've got two games in between now and then, but it's going to be absolutely incredible. I really do think it is. I think there's going to be a wall of sound... Everybody will be in there up for it. Um, and we talked about PSG there. I mean, are they that good that we think they're going to go to Borussia Dortmund necessarily win? I'm not necessarily sure they are. So Newcastle have to take care of business against Milan themselves. Uh, uh, but that I, game, I can't wait. I honestly think if Newcastle win next Wednesday, I think they go through. I, I can't see Paris getting a result in Dortmund. I can't. Not the win they need. Yeah. Can we have a show of hands who got tickets for the AC Milan game, please? Well, that's quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, you're not going to be lynched. He can come out for the second half. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Very interesting. Thanks, lads. And, you know, the, um, it's interesting that you guys picked up on the atmosphere. I, th- I was in Dortmund and Milan, and I thought both were incredibly flat. And it's a hard one to gauge what everyone thinks in the room, but it, it just feels a little bit cup final-esque. You know, it's phoned in a little bit. You know, supporters, we kind of pride ourselves on support and getting behind the team. And th- there was, you know, Milan was like 28 degrees. It was really, really warm. You, you know, 1,000 steps. Not even steps, just the longest car park to walk up in, in history. No toilets, no water, no food. So maybe um, mitigation there. But Dortmund was just, it was a, it felt like a must-not-lose game, but we're lost and it, it's okay. But strange one, and you've got fans turn on each other over the atmosphere in the way end. People blaming members. Well, there's no members there. I think you had, had to have been there. 44 away games to get a ticket and it's just I've loved the Champions League but it, it's just been it's just been really weird when well, that Dortmund away end as well don't know if anyone else was there but the lower tier worst choice of my life to choose safe standing instead of the upper tier because there was uh, there was nothing safe about it but yeah, there, was a, there was a bit over, overcrowded in there wasn't there well, yeah, yeah you know there were Newcastle fans all over the ground in, including people I knew who saw there was no segregation so you yeah. could just walk in and some Borussia Dortmund fans just walked in the away end to, to sample the atmosphere and, and turn around to what my mate and said, "Where's your atmosphere?" and it was like, mm. "Yeah, good question." <laughs> but it's not, um, not great with the Euros coming up for Germany as well, because if they England play there or whoever plays there, it's not it's not great, is it? No, but I agree with you. Let's go and smash Milan. It'll be some atmosphere that PSG night. I mean, I got into town about three o'clock, thinking I'd be in early. Realised I was late <laughs> compared to most people getting into bars and stuff. And I really like the. My favourite part of PSG, which is weird because I'm weird, wasn't smashing them on the pitch, scoring four goals. It was every time a PSG player in the warm-up missed a shot, there was a bigger roar than you get in most grounds for goals. And um, yeah, only at Newcastle. But I've, I've given you kind of safe questions now because I've talked about the past, talked about experiences, now I want you to talk about the future. What does the rest of the season hold? We've got about 10 minutes left. Yeah, of I need a week. I mean, he's yeah. quite quick. Over to you, Luke. You um, <laughs> what? Oh, okay. No, no, you can you can keep it quick because you're yeah, doing I'll part of the talking. Yeah, I'll keep it very quick. Yeah. Right. Well, what's the what's the question? The question is what, how how do you see Newcastle getting on this season? Do you see qualification from the group? Do you I'm going to be very brief. Um, I said top eight this season with everything uh, else added would be a really fantastic season. My view hasn't changed. Top eight would be would be great. Uh, I'm I'm a pessimist at heart, but I think top eight. I would even accept top ten with a, with a domestic cup run. If they win the Carabao Cup and finish top ten, take that all day every day. So. Yeah, um, that would be my answer. Well, I'll come around the back of that because I disagree because I think they've got to get top four, be that top four or top five as a Champions League place. I think to, to continue the momentum, and we've spoken to Darren Neal so much about this, he uses the phrase to push back the guardrails of FFP. The money is there. You know, they've got the richest owners in the world that can spend what they want. They can't spend it because of FFP. If you want to... to, to Darren's phrase again, push back those guardrails, you've got to be a Champions League club. So while... There's the romance of a trophy. I think we had this debate the last time, you know, win the trophy for you guys. I think you would put that above Champions League qualification. But if you want to be a team who competes year on year and maintains this brilliant momentum they've got, you've got to be a Champions League side. And I've said this from the very start, the ultimate priority this year 
is making sure you're a Champions League club next season. I'm sorry if that means you know not winning the FA Cup, not winning the Carabao Cup, whatever it is. That has got to be what they've got to achieve so this season. That might not be romantic, but if you're talking from a club point of view, financially and where you want to go, I think that's what they've got, they've so got to go will, for. So how will it fail if it doesn't get top five? No, I didn't say how, how would it fail. I think Eddie Howe can... I don't think Eddie Howe can fail. I think because you've got to look beyond results and you've got to look at the man, the job he's doing, the improvement in players. I don't care where he finishes, he doesn't fail. I'm just saying about what isn't ultimately important for the journey of the football club. I think you look at the position the club are in right now in the, in the Premier League table, look at the performances, look at the results, look at what he has got at his disposal. I know he will not use that as an excuse himself, but I think we all can say that. I mean, as I say, I was up there, watched the trading session today. It was just there was so few players, and, he's, and that's what he's dealing with. I think he's, he's doing that now with the squad ripped to shreds. There is an entire starting eleven plus Sandro Tonali on the bench as a substitute. 12 players missing, including a goalkeeper now in Nick Pope, and yet the results are being churned out. In the space of a week, you've beaten Chelsea, Manchester United, and you should have beaten Paris Saint-Germain if it wasn't for that refereeing mistake at the end. I think once you get your players back in January, um, potentially add one or two, whether it's loans or permanent signings, I honestly think Newcastle are far too much of a team at the moment to not finish in the top five. They're, they're a much better team. They've got much better individuals than Manchester United. The same for Chelsea. I think it'll probably be a shootout between themselves and Tottenham for, for top five. And I just, I think I said fifth at the start of the season. There's nothing I've seen so far at the beginning of the season with all the European matches thrown in there to make me change my mind. And I, I honestly think Newcastle will have Champions League football again next season. Be sensible, Dougie. Be sensible. <laughs> I, th I think for me, get through until January. Let, let, where, where are they going to be in January? Then I can kind of probably make it a big call. I think they'll probably be in and around the top five in January. I mean, there's so many games to play between now and January the 1st. Some really tough games or two really tough away games coming up because Everton obviously uh, playing quite well as well. So if they can get through to January and they're in contention with the top five, top six... I think they probably will bring players in in January. They'll probably they'll, they'll they'll act to do something there. Players injured players will come back. I think top I think top five is is absolutely achievable. As is progress deep into the cup competitions. You can never say with the cup competitions because you can you know as they did last season with the League Cup, they just managed to play New, uh, Manchester United in the two months when they've actually looked a decent team uh, in the last three years. Unfortunately, if there's any other time than that, Newcastle would have would have won the League Cup and they'd have had that monkey off their back. So you can never say with the cups. Like when you're going to play a team, whether you're just going to get a bad, uh, a bad day. But I think I think they'll finish top five. I really do. I don't think there are five. I don't think there are uh, uh, 15 teams that can live with them on their day. You know, I think there's Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool, probably three really good teams there. Nobody else really, I would say, comes close to Newcastle. Um, so I, I think top five is absolutely achievable um, and I think they'll go deep in one of the cup competitions as well um, we just haven't seen a, a run of bad form from Newcastle a sustained run of bad form to suggest that they're going to fall away from that for me moon on a stick that's what you want well you tell me when they're going to have this bad run of form that's going to leave oh, them right. 10th we need to go for a wee so let's <laughs> just let's wrap it up together we need a break okay on that glamorous note Luke we'll, uh, we'll, we'll break for part one